0: You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orme. Welcome back, listeners. We are so grateful and excited to be breaking the silence today with Stephen and Real Croshaw together. We've had them separately on our podcast the last couple episodes, but tonight we have both of them and we get to learn from their wisdom. Tonight we will be answering the question, what is a check-in and how do you do it? And what are the benefits of checking in? And I'm so excited to learn from Stephen and Rill because they have been married for 48 years. Did I say that yes. right? And they have learned a lot from those 48 years and we're going to learn from their wisdom. They're also the president and vice president of the SA Lifeline Foundation. So without further ado, welcome to our podcast. Thank you.
1: Thank we're, you. We're pleased to be here together. <laughs>
2: So we're talking about check-ins. Ril and I have been checking in for mm. Mm, 12 years. Maybe 12, yeah. 12 years every night. And we actually use a scripted check in so that we can at least know whether we're on the pathway to communicating. And some nights that check-in may be brief and some nights it may go on for quite a while. But let us first talk to you about the importance of doing a check-in before we go to sleep so that we can at least both talk about what the experiences of the day were, what our feelings were during the day, and how we feel now. So the check-in that we use, we call the vowel check-in. The reason it's a vowel check-in is that becomes our template, a, e, i, o, u, and y. And so with that vowel check-in, we have a pathway. The A stands for abstinence, and the E stands for exercise. What have I done today in a healthy way to, to live life in a healthy way? I is what have I done for myself today. O is what have I done for others today. U is an unexpressed emotion or unexpressed emotions that I really need to talk about in order to be honest? And why is the yay of the day? So if we go through that in our check-in, there's a rule that we have, and that is that we both will go through that separately, and we can't interrupt the other person, or we can't editorialize about what they're saying while they're giving their check-in. We might comment something or ask a question after they're finished, but not during that check-in. So abstinence, when I check in, I will say how I did that day in relationship to abstinence from anger, lust, and resentment. And those are issues that addicts deal with often. And so I need to express my experience during the day for anger, lust, and resentment. That could be anger expressed in any way, lustful experiences that I may need to surrender or that I hopefully have surrendered already to my sponsor. And then resentment is something that kills more addicts than anything else. And I need to take responsibility for resentment that I feel oftentimes towards those that are closest to me or situations sometimes that I don't have any control over. There's that wide of of a spectrum. So that part of the check-in is most critical to get started. So I will turn it to real here for a minute. Abstinent. We...
1: How does a woman in recovery talk about her abstinence? In SAL 12-step, we say, what would it look like if I was abstinent or sober? I have decided in working my steps for many years what that looks like for me. And that is, did I go to fear? Did I go to fear more than a a few seconds? If I focused on something, perhaps he didn't answer the phone when I called twice in a row. And if I went to that, oh no, where is he, what's he doing? That's a fear thing that if I stayed there for very long, I would not have been abstinent from fear. I also tend to go into control based on my fear. And so I want to control. And so fear and control... And those things that surround my fear and my trauma are whether I was abstinent or not. And that can be different for a different woman too. But I've just recognized that fear is my main issue. And if I have lost my serenity based on fear, then I haven't been abstinent. Or perhaps I've been triggered by someone that I saw down the street. And a lot of women will have these triggers. They'll see someone and they go, oh, no, that's someone my husband would be looking at or looking for, and that would create this fear and a need to perhaps control. And so abstinence, that's what it means for me. Exercise is, I'm not talking about his exercise, I'm I'm just reporting on my own. And then something for myself, self-care, that's critical for all of us. But especially women with families, we tend to not have very good self-care we could talk an hour on self-care. And then for others, so many of us think that we have to do big deals to in order to say we're we're serving. You know, we have to go to, to Africa and big wells, otherwise we're not serving. No, maybe we're serving our children today. It's just something to get outside of myself. Then you, this is a, another big one that's really important, that unexpressed emotion. And some people have an emotion charge Because they have a hard time saying the words and they can point to that face, you know, that has the emotion. And that would be helpful for me or or for my husband. We had just learned how to say what we haven't expressed yet. And here's another reason it's a really good thing to have a a sponsor. Is I can talk to my sponsor first before I share that. Just like Stephen said, if he has a lust trigger... I don't want it to be dumped on me at night. I am not his sponsor. And I, I hear so many men say, well, I tell my wife if I've been triggered. Whoa, way to dump the, her, your stuff on her. And then she lays there in bed and is like, what do I do with this information? And so it's such a gift to me that my husband has a sponsor that he can call. He works through his trigger or whatever he has, concerning him and then when he checks in he said i had this trigger i called my sponsor i prayed i surrendered i did those things and my understanding of recovery and my own recovery goes thank you mostly thank you to god for giving these tools and so is it the same thing for me if i have unexpressed emotions i need to work them out And that's my opportunity and responsibility. And then going to the why, the yay of the day, look for three ways that God showed his hand to you today. Not just a gratitude journal, you know, naming off family and home and da-da-da. No, how did he show that he knows you? And today I was standing in the kitchen and for some reason I had this thought of like, is everything okay? And the sun came up over the mountain just then. And I watched it as it came up until it was all the way over the mountain. And I said, thank you. I know you're there. The yay of the day is a great thing happened. Or it can be, I saw God's hand in my life today. I know he knows me. And the check-in is not for him. The check-in is for me. So if... If he's not willing to check in and some people are not, then find a way to check in with myself.
3: This is all so beautiful. And I love this vowel check-in, A-E-I-O-U and Y. It's so easy to remember. How can our listeners find this? Is there anywhere where they can find this
2: amazing resource? Real shares this exact check-in in her book, What Can I Do About Me?, Awesome. So the book is sold on our website or on Amazon uh, website, sa salifeline.org. And so within the book is the vowel check-in and an explanation like we just gave of why it's important. Remembering that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection.
0: connection.
2: So connection is Part of that effort in the check-in that we do each night. And so when I say we, then there's an opportunity for us to work our recovery together and yet do it by rowing our own boat. And that's another point that real makes in her book is that we have to row our own boat. So we're not checking in for each other and we're not measuring each other's experience during the day. That's why we don't comment while they're checking in saying, oh, that
1: was dumb. Or, or did you, I think you missed something. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's tell, so, it's so tempting. It's so tempting for me. It's like, what about this? I think you missed something. Oh, you can't nope. do that. No, nope. I've got it. You know. Yeah.
2: So you have to be patient. Keep my mouth. And at the end, you might say, wow, I was listening so carefully. Is there anything else? No,
1: <laughs> I wouldn't dare say that. <laughs> no. If I'm working my recovery, I know. In my work of the steps, with my sponsor, that I have a character defect called control.
2: <laughs> no, I, I need to comment on something that'll make just for clarification, and that is, in the check-in, when we're saying we're talking about unexpressed emotions, calling our sponsor is very important, but that's not an excuse to disclose to our wife what's really going on in our life. In other words, we do need to talk about in that check-in what we did to surrender that unmanageable situation. Life's unmanageability has to be talked about. But it's that unmanageability isn't to be talked about with a spouse without having gone through the process of surrender already. Because we're not surrendering to her. We're surrendering to God. And we do that first with a sponsor of taking the actions of surrender. Then we talk about how we feel as a result of that, what that experience meant to us in the process of going through that surrender with a sponsor. So that's clarification may be helpful. We never want to hide what's going on.
1: It's all about the need for safety for, for women who've been through betrayal trauma or dealing with it. They are in desperate need of safety. And so an honest, humble and accountable spouse who will be accountable in a check-in. And you can, you can fake honest, you can, you can fake a lot of things, but you really can't fake humble. That's why I said earlier that I have to trust what I know about the addiction walks like, talks like, thinks like. And I've become uh, aware of what my husband is like in his addiction. But I'm also aware of what he is like in recovery. We have what we call the circles models. It's just a handout that is really beautiful as a resource for people. And I've said to so many women, hang that on your mirror. Because we get so confused about But he said. He said (coughs) this or he said that. It's like, wait, what do you see and what do you feel? And if you see and feel humble, honest, and accountable, and he's striving to reach out and be connected instead of being internal and and disconnected, then you can trust that. But we trust God first. Working on trust with an addict is really challenging, especially if you've been through decades of trauma. But it is possible. So my own recovery helps me to give, as I said earlier, that little bit of maybe I will open the window to trust. I I'm seeing trust worthiness being built one drop, one step at a time. <clears throat> okay. Now I see that we don't immediately just say, Oh, it's over because he says it's over. That doesn't work.
0: I think that this is so awesome. And if you don't mind, I loved what you mentioned about rowing the boat earlier It's actually something I was listening to another podcast this week and they mentioned this cool analogy that I really loved. They talked about how marriage isn't about being in the same boat. It's about rowing your separate boats together in the same direction. And something that you need to take into account is that if you aren't actively rowing together, you will be drifting apart. And what I love about your check-ins every night is that it keeps you rowing together. It provides this opportunity for you to check in and to see where the other person's at and to really have this opportunity to evaluate, like, where are we as a couple? Are we rowing together? Maybe does one of us need a little bit more like support and encouragement than the other. And how can we better row together moving forward? So I love this. I think that this is such an incredible tool and a wonderful example.
1: Yeah. Rowing the boat. That's why I chose the picture on the front of my book 10 years ago. It's from a painting and the artist Linda Curly Christensen allowed us to put that on because she said, this is exactly why I, painted this picture. And you will see this deep gorge. If you go down that you're going to crash, you may not survive it. But I thought for years, well, we're in the same boat, and I will get him there, even if I have to row extra hard, right? No, he gets to choose, I get to choose. That's one of the things women need to understand in recovery. I have choice. What does that choice look like? And What do I need to do using my choice today? And boundaries are definitely a part of that. But rowing our own boat, if you see those two people on the front of that book, there is this beautiful vista up ahead. That is what we are rowing towards in our marriage, this beautiful vista. Are we there? I don't think so. But we're getting closer
2: rowing our own boat getting closer yeah we had to learn that the hard way we can't row each other's boat it's just like someone else can't practice and learn how to uh, run a marathon or swim a mile by having their coach tell them how to do it and then their coach do it for them it doesn't work that way so we have to row our own boat we learn recovery by working our own recovery
1: so we're going in the same direction going in the as same you talked direction. about, Krishna. Right, and
2: hopefully, we're both rowing, and so that one person doesn't get left way downstream. So, what working recovery will actually do, and we're well, coming back to the check in, staying connected means working at it. Making that effort each night to do a vowel check in is part of that connection, and uh, it's worked for us. So, we we highly recommend it.
1: And some nights are better than others,
2: generally. <laughs> Yeah.
1: And that's okay. I mean, one of the reasons that we can do this is we've got lots of experience. <laughs> and it's not all good.
3: I was going to ask what happens when one or the other person says, I wasn't absent today in the particular things I'm supposed to be absent. What if we missed one of those vowels? How does the other respond and and what makes It's still successful, chicken?
1: Without total judgment, because I'm going to miss some. And and as I've worked my 12 steps, I've recognized, as I said earlier, I have defects. I have control. I have fear. I have impatience. I have judgment. I learned that much more intensely or clearly as I've worked my steps. That has been a process that has blessed my life so much to recognize my humanity and recognize everybody else's humanity, including my husband's. That does not mean that I don't set boundaries. The abstinence thing is really important to me. Abstinence is one of those safety things for me. And so, again, it's all about feeling safe.
2: You know, we could spend an entire podcast theme, maybe even more than one, talking about abstinence. And we could talk about the difference between acting out behavior and addict behavior. It's very important to understand the difference between acting out behavior and addict behavior. Addict behavior includes anger and resentment and fear and lust, a feeling or a lust trigger acting out behavior is actually that sexual act that if I am acting out sexually and not sober by a very simple definition, let me give you a definition of sobriety. A definition of sobriety is abstinence from sex with self or anyone other than the spouse and progressive victory over lust. That is sobriety. That's the simple definition of sobriety. So I have been sober for 15 plus years using that definition. But that doesn't mean that I haven't had bouts of anger and resentment and feelings of lust. So those have to be surrendered. But we have to remember, and if you look, for instance, at a program of recovery, as it's outlined by SA Lifeline, the beginning of recovery, literally step zero, is we stop the behavior of acting out, whatever that is pornography, masturbation, adult establishments, acting out with prostitutes, affairs, that is acting out behavior. Recovery will not begin until that behavior stops. That's step zero. And then step one is recognizing the unmanageability of life and the need to surrender. Steps one, two, and three outline what that really means. And so am I surrendering every other day because I'm acting out with pornography? No. I'm still not on the pathway of recovery if I am acting out with porn and masturbating. I'm still searching for that recovery. So when I stop the behavior, I can begin to get the healing, which is emotional, spiritual, and very much physical. I have to stop the behavior. And then I can start to heal, but I'm always going to experience the challenges of life, which include all of these circumstances where I get emotionally charged for some reason, that might be lust. But if I choose to act on that lust by following it down the pathway of actual behavior, then I've, I've got to step back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What am I going to do to make sure that I understand how to surrender lust before it turns to behavior? We could talk about this for hours, but I could go into some detail on being able to understand what it means to be preoccupied and have these emotions that are just weighing on us of lust or objectification. And you add fear or anger or resentment or hunger or being tired to all that equation. And people who are acting out with lust, with let's say with pornography, are just acting on that lust trigger, looking to medicate. That has to stop. So when we check in, I'm not saying, well, I acted out with porn today, because if I did that, then I'm not sober and, and I'm committed to sobriety. But if I had to about with lust as I was walking through the grocery store, I need to be able to surrender that to my sponsor and say to my wife, you know what, I encountered a lustful situation today, and it took me off guard, and it set me back, and I felt like I wanted to objectify, and so I had to turn to my sponsor for help. That's surrendering that lust trigger to the light instead of the dark side. So we could talk about this forever and talk about what it really means to be sober.
0: I think that's so beautiful. And you're right. We literally could talk about this forever. And especially with the two of you and your incredible wisdom, I, I just am so blown away at how you walk the walk. And I love the things that you've shared
1: with us. Bless you both. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having us. We appreciate the invite.
1: We are grateful to be here with you. That's really, really wonderful for us. It was more than I expected. I think I'll add that to my yay for the day.
3: <laughs> That's wonderful.
1: That's so wonderful. I think
0: one of my favorite things from this episode is I can only imagine how far you've come in your relationship seeing what I see now. And I am grateful for your example of a true partnership and a journey in your own boats towards that bright future. And I know that there's probably rapids that you have to go over and some huge rocks in the way and lots of <laughs> turbulent waters, but I, I am grateful for your journey and grateful for your willingness to share that with us.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I
3: feel all the same sentiments. I mean, the best thing anybody can do is just open their mouths and speak and it takes so much courage to do that. So, and every time you do it, someone's going to listen and be benefited. So you did that tonight again, and your story is amazing.
1: Thank one, you. Of, one of our favorite quotes is, "'Twas I, but tis not I."
3: Yeah, okay. I love that.
0: Shakespeare.
1: <laughs>
0: so, so good. Well, thank you so much. And I wish we had all the time in the world to continue this chat, but thank you for what you have shared.
2: Thank you. Good night.
0: Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.